0: Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Thank you so much, uh, Storksons and McNets and Hermans and everybody else and Barlows. And I, I can go down the list. I, you never should start naming people, but it's extraordinary. Let, let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We pray that you would do a remarkable thing in our soul, Lord. Uh, most here, maybe not all, or s- certainly maybe not all listening via TV or live stream or internet or whatever, actually have a relationship with you, but many do. And Lord, we ask that you would do your continuing work in us, that we can become more like you, be conformed to your image. And Lord, if there are those that haven't made a commitment, a real commitment to walking with you, that they would be moved to know two fundamental things, that they are separated from you, but... Your loving arms are reaching out to them in a profound way, and what you did on the cross is enough. It's called grace, and I pray that would come through loud and clear today and this morning in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Last little thing I'll just say as it regards to this, um, I remember Laura and I, when we were first married, we, we really didn't have anything, and, and uh, we were asked to—we were, we were attending a church here in the valley, and this was, gosh, 30 years ago. And, uh, I mean, we really had nothing, but we, we went to a deal, and they had little pledge cards and things, and, uh, and I kind of looked at her, and anyway, we gave kind of what we didn't even have, and I'm not suggesting you do that, but uh, I remember we had actually long since left the church, and uh, we I rem- I'll never forget it. Because I had read in the Bible, and I was like, if you make a commitment, you need to complete your commitment, all that kind of thing. And I'll never forget, We and it was a new pastor, and of course we were, we were in good standings at the church and everything, we loved the people, We'd God had just kind of called us to do something else. And I remember writing that last check of making our commitment, our pledge, and I walked it in, and, and uh, I, I kind of expected some angels or something, I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> or some kind of music in the background, you know. I felt like I was in a scene of a movie like I've completed my pledge and God's really smiling. And I walked in, I really didn't know anybody, and it was it was middle of the week, so it wasn't like a Sunday morning or anything. And the secretary was there and she was real sweet and everything, kind of sweet. And uh, I, I came in, and I said, well, I, you know, I'm Jeff Cranford, and and uh, and I, I just wanted to get, we're not part of the church anymore, but I wanted to finish our commitment that we made, you know, three or four years ago, and it was a lot for us. And, you know, and I, and I kind of went like this, and she kind of took it, and I, <laughs> I kind of gave, gave it back, and she took it, and she goes, oh, thank you very much. And she went back to what she was doing, I was like, hey, <laughs> hey, I thought she was going to get up, and like, you know. You know, do something. I didn't know what she was going to do. I just thought, there has to be more profound than that. There's got to be something super exciting about this. But I never regret, Lord, I never regret. We've never regretted any penny we've given into the kingdom, ever, because we know we still have it. I regret all kinds of things, bad investments, anyway, blah, blah, blah. You know the deal. Pair of shoes I didn't get to wear but about twice because they hurt my feet or... Maybe even a driver that I couldn't hit straight and went wayward or, you know, whatever. Never regret one penny. So, um, all right, you ready to roll? Here we go. Stumbling blocks, forgiveness. Well, and big time mountain moving faith is what we're going to be talking over the next two weeks. We're continuing our work through the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 17. I'm going to read the first 10 verses here, and then we'll kind of come back and pick at it a little bit like we do. One of the things we try to do in here is really get to the heartbeat of what Jesus is teaching. It's easy to read it and kind of go through it or piece things. We have, at least I do, what is he saying here? What is he really trying to communicate? And how can we, as we always do, how can we find this that embedded in what God's plan was from the beginning? Why are we church at the red door? Exodus chapter twelve. That was written close to I don't know thirteen to fifteen hundred years before the time of Jesus. Apply the blood to the doorposts of your house that you might be passed over. Pass over. We always are looking back and we're trying to say, Lord, what, what do you want to do and what have you been saying forever? Again, Jesus has been around a long time, so this is not anything new. You ready? Verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, it's inevitable, inevitable that stumbling blocks are going to come, but woe to him through whom they come. In fact, it'd be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, well, forgive him. It's one of the very core, it's the ethos of the Christian community. I do not hold a grudge. I forgive. It's the heartbeat, heartbeat of following Jesus. Well, then the apostles said to the Lord, well, increase our faith. I think we're going to need a lot of faith to do that. Increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree or a sycamore tree or a fig tree, it's all the same thing, really, Ficus sycamoris, I think, is the actual, what would you call that, Chris? What is that, Ficus sycamore? Did I say that wrong? I did say it wrong. It was a terrible. But I have to get Chris back up here to correct me. But uh, fig tree. And he said, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And then verse 7, which of you, having a slave plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he is coming from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterwards, then you can eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all these things which are commanded you, say this, we're unworthy slaves. We've only done that which we ought to have done. Now, I know, you say, why would you read all that together? Because they're totally different. No, they're not. They're connected. One leads to another, which leads to another. And so this morning, we're really going to look at the stumbling blocks, and I want to piece this together uh, by next week and and have us understand a more comprehensive view of how, in fact, I don't become a stumbling block and how, in fact, I can even go beyond not being a stumbling block and actually be a conduit for someone to get up on the highway of holiness. If I was just trying not to be a stumbling block and I was really serious about it, I'd just sit in my house all day. I mean, I really would. I mean, but I, I want to go beyond not being a stumbling block. I want to be a catalyst, always have, be a catalyst in someone's life to start thinking more deeply about Jesus. It informs really everything I do in life. And I'm not trying to be pious because I, ha- I have a man, I am a man of many failures. God is still honing me and got me up on the potter's wheel and he's working and molding and shaping and all that. And it hurts sometimes and... There's no question that my kids can say, well, you know, Dad, you know, they used to make fun all the time because, you know, we'd come here and, well, they see that side. They don't see, you know, he don't see him in his underwear sitting on his bed watching TV or something. You know, I mean, it's just part of the deal. I mean, we are human beings, fallen human beings, but being restored. But I can have as my intention to be someone who, well, uh, you heard it from the Storksons and the McNuts, who want to leave a spiritual legacy, spiritual legacy. I think on on a personal level, to be honest with you, I think becoming a stumbling block is one of the great fears that I have. As I've increased in ministry over the last several decades uh, in terms of visibility, I mean, with links, you know, we have staff all over the country, we have groups, we have hundreds and hundreds of fellowships that meet at in in golf communities all over the country and are regional directors and area directors and lpi reps and and links fellowship leaders and all those and i'm engaged with uh, with that with that mission all the time i'm engaged with a mission as it relates to israel college of the bible as i serve on the seminary board with actually some of our folks here and and, uh, and it's, that's a challenge as well. And then obviously Church of the Red Door is really a driving passion right here in the Coachella Valley. How do we reach the valley? How, how do we actually become all things to all men that by all means we might save some? That was Paul. We become chameleons of sorts because we have such a passionate desire to see what people have what we have, to taste what we've tasted. To see the things that we see, and I know many of you have family and friends, and you go, why can't they see what I see? It's infuriating. It's exhausting. You want people to experience what you've experienced. You want people to understand the depths and the meaning of the gospel in ways that are so profound that they are life-changing. Don't you? I do, but still. But task 1 don't be a stumbling block. I'm not I'm a pretty much a teetotaler most of the time. Occasionally I might have some you know one something, you know. I'm about a once every two or three months kind of guy. But not one too many. One DUI, can you imagine what that would look like on the on you know Here here we are doing TV and we raise it up and then then a little sad picture of me with my hair sticking out everywhere and, you know, black and white picture of me, you know, local pastor. Can you imagine? I mean, that'd be a big thing, but even small things. You know, Laura and I went into a restaurant the other day and uh, and the staff, I had... I've got pretty much, everywhere I go, I'm talking about Jesus. So they kind of know I'm the God guy or the religious guy or everything. And so what happens often, I'll ask the question, well, how are you? And normally it's just fine. I'm doing fine. What can I get you? But now, because I've become that in many people's eyes, a lot of times I'll just start crying. And this happened uh, just this last week as Laura and I went in. a precious, precious woman. She's some small kids and and uh, and I said, Well, okay, now what's going on? And she said, Well, I I you know, I was in a big fight this morning and it was, you know, Valentine's Day. And and I said, Well, let me just pray for you. And I just prayed for her right there in the restaurant. She you know, she she took off. Well, what if she finds out that I'm cheating on my wife? What is that gonna look like? You know, here's someone I can trust enough to say that I had a fight in the morning, you know. Or there there are going to be people in your life that are looking at you with that exact view. Okay, they're watching. And that person goes to church, or that person does this, or they're involved in building a church. They are watching you with hawk eyes. And I know that. And I don't want to make anybody stumble, Jesus says. They're inevitable, though. They're inevitable. Obviously, they're stumbling blocks that have nothing to do with the faith community. There are a lot of folks and forces out there that do want to do everything they can do to make you think what we're doing right now is absurd. You do realize that? Ridiculous. You cannot believe. What do you believe in the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and all? I mean, those forces and many of you, and we are closely connected with those forces, think what we're doing, and yet you want them to see what you see. You're not stupid. This is, a, this is, I look out there and I go, there are some very intelligent people out here, grown big businesses and done all kinds of things, extraordinary things, professors and teachers and scientists and all kinds of things. But you've experienced God, and you are wanting other people. But I don't, first first thing, I don't want to be a stumbling block. So I said, secondly, I actually want to be a stone remover, a stumbling block remover. Not only do I not want to be a stumbling block, I want to be engaged and active in removing stones. Now, I have taught on this been a big part of the way I view the entirety of the meta-narrative of Scripture. So when I look at the Bible, I often think about these verses. Some of you, because you've been part of Church of the Red Door, you've heard me teach through this, but I think it's appropriate, given where we are in Luke 17, that we revisit this. It is the thing I live for, live for, and I mean that. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 14 and 15. Prophet Isaiah, for those of you who don't know and never really been around the Bible. Isaiah is writing a good 700 years before the time of Jesus. He's looking out, he's obviously all the prophets are essentially seeing a restored Israel. So they'll and they're seeing this Messiah figure who will come in and restore Israel and then by extension all the nations of the world. The nations, a light to the nations. And yet it doesn't look so good about the time Isaiah is writing this, but he sees a glorious future, but it won't come without a cost. And here it is, verse 14, and it will be said. When will it be said? I don't know. I'm saying it right now. So Isaiah at least is fulfilled once that I know of right now. It will be said. And, And I'm saying it. Come on, church at the red door. Let's build up. Let's build up. Let's prepare the way. Now, I didn't even have this in my mind because I didn't didn't know exactly what was going to happen this morning as it relates to the property and this and that, but where is it from the ground up? Let's build something that will have an impact. I not only don't want to be a stumbling block, I want to help people get up on this highway that we're going to see. I want, their, I want their lives to be restored. I want them to become fruitful. I want them to know the Jesus that I know. I want them. I want their marriages to be healed. I want their, their family to be reconciled. I, I, I want so many things, and I know the only thing that's going to make that happen is a new heart and a new spirit. Remove every obstacle out of the way of my people. So this So it's not just don't be a stumbling block, be a remover of stumbling blocks. Have you graduated to being uh, very intentional about every relationship? Are uh, Are you aware of what people think about you? Are you aware what people think about you? Wherever you eat, who you do business with, who your next door neighbor is, I mean, I can't have an interaction that I'm not thinking, what are they perceiving me to be? Now, I can't, look, I'm going to talk about one thing in a minute. I do, I will be a stumbling block in one area, and I will forever be a stumbling block in one area, and I'll show you that in a minute. But I I am always aware. What are people thinking when, when they see me? I've told you many stories, the horror stories of my competitive golf life. And uh, I used to have a real, I'm pretty fiery, which has helped me maybe as a kind of preacher-teacher guy. Pretty fiery, but not so much in terms of uh, the equanimity that I needed when I was playing golf. So I was kind of super high or super, super low. And I've told you this before, but I'll tell you again. There were times when I'd just go crazy on the golf course after I had ostensibly given my life to Jesus. And uh, people were like, was that, a, was that a Black Hawk helicopter? No, that was my four iron flying down the fairway, you know. <laughs> well, <was> just a, <laughs> I just heard something, you know. And, uh, oh, man, where's that, where's that, who, who's, anyway. And I, I think I've told you this before, but forgive me for repeating my stories. If you've been with me long enough, you'll have heard it. But I remember one day, it was just so bad. And Laura and I were newly married, and she was kind of out there with me, and obviously way before kids. I mean, this is 30 years ago. And I came in and I had, I had put one of those little fish on the back of my, my SUV and we were traveling around. I was trying to do Nike stuff and I just had a horrible thing. And I had just had, I had had a conniption fit. I mean, I was out of my mind. Uh, and, and I was walking out to the, to the parking lot and there was that little fish on the back of my car. And I got over there, and I got a tee or something, and I started pulling that fish out, And I worked that fish off until I think it ripped the paint off and everything. And I just threw it out into the bushes, and I said, I'm never going to do that again. But see, I was thinking, rather than, hey, change your attitude, uh, I'm I'm never going to have a fish on my car. But in the end, it was something in me. I was like, these cannot be reconciled. I cannot act that way and then say, hey, I'm a fish guy. Can't do it. Because I didn't want to be a stumbling stone. I couldn't have maybe used that language thirty years ago, but I can now, and I knew what was driving that. Verse 15 says, For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. You know, I dwell in a high and holy place, but I also can I also with the contrite and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. What God is saying here. He's saying, look, I want you to build up this way. I want you to remove the stone so people can get to me because why? When they get to me, I will revive them. I will restore them. I will turn them from the inside out into humble and contrite people because you can't be ultimately joyous unless you move into a place of humility just doesn't work. We can see it. It's splashed all over the TV and news and everything else you look at. People who suffer are trying to maintain their status as an idol of some sort or something and you just can't juggle that many balls at the same time. At some point, you're going to leave your company, you're going to sell your company, you're going to you're not going to be in the spotlight anymore, and if you still try to be in the spotlight, it'll be really challenging. At some point, you can come and if you walk in contrition and humility, you will be revived. You might as well do it even if you're in the spotlight because there will be a day where you just don't have the same light shining on you. It's a beautiful truth if we can just embrace it. Isaiah 62, five chapters later, says something similar. Go through, go through the gates, clear the way. This is, on a, this is a stumbling block remover. Not just, no, be one Remove them, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, lift up a standard over the people. Behold, the Lord is proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, lo, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him, his recompense before him, and they will call them the holy people, the redeemed. That just means to buy back, to purchase back. Jesus purchased us back when he shed his blood on the cross as a ransom. We were redeemed. All you have to do is believe. All you must do is believe. And as Lee Strobel told us last week, take the second step and receive. First you must believe, and then you must receive. Well, what happens? Well, we're going to be the holy people, and you will be called sought out a city not forsaken. Now, the direct context is the salvation of the Jewish people. But by extension, that they were always called to be a light to the nations, it is also us. So remember, and you hear me say this all the time, Israel's story is our story. Israel's story is our story if you're, uh, if you're non-Jewish. So you, please understand, this is the call. Remove and build up the highway. Be intentional about it. Don't just be someone who is a consumer of religious activity. I I beg you, use your gift if you're a follower of Jesus, hone it. Paul told Timothy, take great pains with these things so that your progress may be evident to everybody and you'll ensure salvation, that is getting up on the highway of holiness, not only for yourself, but for all these other people as well. How are you gonna do that? Pay attention. Be absorbed in this thing. You heard it from the Storksons and the McNuts. They're just like you're just. You heard Daryl so precious. I'm just content. I'm just joyful. I'm just happy. Uh, and he was he was a professional, but he's in the Seattle. Hall of Fame up there and all that. Randy, you underdid that. And the ladies were big parts of this too. Marge and Nancy are huge parts of what, what was going on here. So please understand. But what is he saying? He said, I've been, what, what, he didn't say it, but what he was really saying deep down was I've been revived. I've been restored. Now I want to help other people get up on this highway. Not only do I not want to be a stumbling block I want to be a remover of obstacles and stones so that people can come to the reviver of people's spirits, the creator of the universe. Who knows better a person from the inside out than their own creator? Nobody, not even close. There's a picture, if we go back now to Isaiah 35, and again, remember, this is all, what is the prophet seeing? What is he doing? And then we'll wind this down with where some of the stumbling blocks can come from. But allow me to read this. Just take this in. By the way, Jesus says this was being inaugurated during his time. Remember, in Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist was having a midlife crisis. And he said, well, go ask Jesus. Because he's in prison now. You can imagine. He thought he's going to be part of this kingdom that was coming right now and now he's in prison so he's having this he said go ask jesus and said ask him say were you the one or should we be looking for somebody else i'm always happy that john had some you know that problem sometimes cuz sometimes i wonder jesus where are you in this how can this happen but he did he asked the question and you know what jesus response was well he, first of all he said you know he up until now john the baptist is the greatest among all people who have ever lived That's pretty glowing. (laughs) Can you imagine Jesus saying that about you? (sighs) Would you say, Jesus? Say that a little louder so I can get that on my Facebook page, you know, or whatever. I mean, that's pretty extraordinary. But he who is least in the kingdom is greater than John. And we don't have time to get into what that means. But John would die before the atonement was made. He never had the Holy Spirit permanently dwelling on the inside of him. But, and this is key, this is key, he answered him, will you go tell John? And then he quoted this. He quoted a portion of Isaiah 35. This, my friends, is already happening. This is happening now. This can happen in the Coachella Valley. This can happen if you're watching. This can happen to you right now. You, you may be on your couch right here this morning and you just get down on your knees and say, I want that in my life. Jesus said that's already being inaugurated right now. And this is what he quoted when John the Baptist asked that question. The wilderness and the desert, we just happen to live in a desert too, which is great, will be glad. And the Araba will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and a shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, well, they will see the glory of God, the majesty of God. Encourage the exhausted, strengthen the feeble. Say to those with an anxious heart, Boy, there's a lot of anxiety in our culture right now. Are you just uh, trying not to be a stumbling block? Are you a stone remover? We'll go out into the culture, create relationships. Let's be a community together, and let's do this together. And then in our outposts and all the other things that we do here in this valley, and then let's go out and encourage exhausted people. And I'm going to say to those with anxious heart, take care, courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come but he will save you. It's a salvation story. And the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Now, that happened in a literal way in the ministry of Jesus, but there's a deeper meaning and a deeper importance here. Blind people will see spiritually. The lame are going to leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy and the waters will break forth in the wilderness and the streams in the Arabah and the scorched land will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water in the haunt of jackals, its resting place and grass will become reeds and rushes. Just try to get a picture of desert. Well, it's just like this. Think of this. I'll never forget the day I first drove in. I knew, well, I knew one person in California, and I was coming to kind of live in the back of their house for a little while until, until his wife goes, how much longer are you going to be here? But anyway, I drove in. I'd never been to California, never been to Palm Springs or anything, and I came Interstate 10, and I drove. He's you, you getting to get Mexico and even even Texas, El Paso and all that. You get on the interstate, all you are is desert Forever. Desert, 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 desert. Oh, finally, I'm going to get to this place called Palm Springs with all these golf courses and everything. And I drove in, and I started seeing signs for to go in. And I'm going, this is not what I expected. I could have gotten this in West Texas <laughs> because I was still on the interstate. But somehow all you got to do is kind of head south a little bit And, you know, whether you're going to go up Jefferson or or Cook Street or whatever, and you're going to start working that way, and all of a sudden, all this happened. The desert turns into, uh, it's it's just, it looks like this. Now, our question is, will people turn in south off the interstate, and will they receive their sight, spiritually speaking? Verse 8 says, a highway will be there a roadway, and it will be called a highway of holiness. If you have any questions about what Church of the Red Door is about, it's about this right here. We want to see people get up on this highway because it's holy. And people in our culture right now don't feel very holy. The culture kind of feels dirty right now. I hear it all the time. Every, all the time I hear it. But we have an answer to that. The unclean won't travel on it. And then all the way down to verse 9, but the redeemed will walk there and the ransomed of the Lord will return. I'm just going to close these last few verses. So we don't, we're not going to have them up on. I just was going through this this morning even as I was getting ready and started thinking about a few things. Just listen. Just, just want you to listen. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. Romans 14 verse 13. I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to be a stumbling block. I refuse to be a stumbling block. I want to be a stone remover. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. You're a judgmental person, always kind of pecking at things, always see the worst, glasses always half empty. I mean, the context here is food, but just judgment in general. I don't want to do that anymore, but i rather determine this, not to put a stumbling block in a brother's way. We'll get into that more when we talk about forgiveness. Why did he immediately begin to talk about forgiveness? Unforgiveness or an attitude of unforgiveness is a huge stumbling block. Some of you have family issues because you just don't have an attitude of forgiveness with kids or grandkids or spouses or whatever, and you just can't get past it. And it becomes an impediment to them, especially if you're A God guy or a God gal or a Jesus person, and yet you haven't been forgiving. How about Revelation two verse fourteen? I have a few things against you because you there are some of you who hold the teaching of Balaam and have kept the teaching of Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and commit acts of immorality. Look in the church or outside the church, if we are participant with immorality and impurity in any way we become a stumbling block <clears throat> lord god please do not let me be a stumbling block because i have the seeds of, i have the seeds of stumbling block blockedness in me and it's a constant vigilance to stay in prayer and in community and but You know what? one of the greatest things for me to help me not become a stumbling block is to be actively involved in a missional community because my mind just gets engaged with mission and I don't even have time to think about that other stuff. Lousy preaching, that's a stumbling block. It is. Listen to Malachi. This is before the time of Jesus, uh, three or 400 years before. The lips of a priest should preserve knowledge and men should seek instruction from his mouth for he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. But as for you, well, you've turned aside. Speaking of those in leadership, you have caused many to stumble by your lousy instruction. I added lousy. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. I'm going to tell you in a minute what the one stumbling block I will never back away from, and I I will always preach a stumbling block. Matthew 16, verse 23, don't be so focused on the world. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but men's. Is your mind more set on the interests of the world and men or of God's concern to reach this valley and all the other things that go with that. Well, where is your mind? Where is your mind? How about just hypocrisy? Uh, Matthew 23, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you religious folk, you hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, the highway of holiness, if you will. You shut it off. Why? You don't even enter yourselves, and you don't allow those who are trying to enter to get in. Don't do that. Lack of awareness of those uh, who are watching, as I said a minute ago, 1 Corinthians 8, take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. You say, hey, look, the Bible doesn't say anything about having a glass of wine or, or two or whatever. Look, I, but what, what if I'm with somebody who's an alcoholic and all of a sudden they're back? I'm, I'm not saying that. I don't want really to take that too too, too far, I really don't because we can't know that and I don't put some false guilt on it. But I am aware that I may have to lay down some of my liberty that I have in Jesus and through the Spirit. I might have to lay some of that liberty down so that I don't become a stumbling block for somebody even though it may be, you know, in an ultimate sense you couldn't really uh, rail against it as it relates. It's not about me anymore. It's about not being a stumbling block. It's about being a stone remover. So what's the solution to all this? Well, First John chapter 2, the one who loves his brother and sister abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. You know, at the heartbeat of this, if we, if we love this valley and the people who are a million miles away, maybe very different from us, see the world very differently, if we just love them, that does what? It inoculates us from becoming a stumbling block. But there will be one place that I am unrepentant about causing someone to stumble. And that's Galatians 5.11 in closing. Galatians 5.11. I'm used to small groups. I was going to have somebody read, but I I guess I should read it myself. Galatians 5.11. Listen to what Paul says here. This, this region of Turkey, I've been going through a lot, Syria and Turkey with the earthquakes. He says, brothers, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? They had already started sh- kind of moving away from the gospel. Let's do anything but really talk about the literal death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know, they're there are churches in this valley that don't even believe in the literal death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I don't know, I don't know why they still gather. I, I'll be honest with you. I'd be out of there. Why? If he wasn't resurrected, <laughs> I'm going back. I'm the lucky 1%. I got a good life. I could enjoy life like crazy. I wouldn't have to be worried about being a stumbling block. I could run over people all I wanted to, verbally, and and everything else, and steal and cheat and everything. I could do anything I wanted to do if I didn't believe that Jesus was literally raised from the dead. I mean, this is just kind of a if this helps you with your life, I hope that works for you. All that kind of thing, I'm not interested in that. I don't need Tony Robbins. I don't need Oprah. And I don't need an unrisen Jesus either. But I need a risen Jesus. I need a risen Jesus. And so what does he say? He says, then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. It's, it's hard to get around the cross. It's People stumble over it all the time. I'm going to pick that up so I didn't stumble over it on the way out. Look, there there's a point at which, folks... The cross itself is a stumbling block. Paul told the Corinthians, he said, To the Jews, this, the gospel is a stumbling block. To the Gentiles, it's just foolishness. But to those who are being saved, it's the very wisdom of God. I, I'm okay with the stumbling block of the cross. But everything else, oh Lord, I don't want to be a stumbling block. In fact, I'm going to take it a step further. I want to remove the stones. That's Church of the Red Door. That's the heartbeat of Church of the Red Door. You with me? You with me? Anybody want to respond to that or be happy? I mean, you want to clap or something? I mean, you know, let's clap. Let's just clap for Jesus. I mean, really. What we're after is Jesus is a reviver. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the lover of men's souls. He wants you so Much he loves you so much that he gave his life for you that you might have life. Let's close with this worship song and let's think about Jesus as the Prince of Peace, not religious icon, the Prince of Peace.